sort of almost through the first week here. Pretty quiet, would you say? I would. I mean, I've been kind of mini upsets. We saw, you know, just on the first round, we saw Angie Kerber, who, of course, had won the Australian Open go out. We saw our uh, sort of Sports Illustrated colleague, Mika Azarenka, exit, unfortunately. She had a knee injury, and then I hear she's already headed back to the U.S. to have an MRI and have that checked out. She was reportedly feeling better today than she was the previous day when she injured that right knee on court, but that, that was not a good scene. But no, to your, to your question, I mean, the, the Williams sisters, both of them have looked terrific. Serena's won her first match in 42 minutes, and she won her second match scarcely longer, 6-2-6-1. So she's rolling, and her title defense looks a lot better than she did, if you'll recall, at this event. Last year, um, other favorites, Simona Hollop, has, has played fairly well and is still in. There have been some strange matches today. Jeannie Bouchard was up 4-1 on Tania Bachinski, who's number eight in the seeds, and you thought this was a real opportunity for Bouchard, and maybe she's back, and then all of a sudden, whoosh, she loses 10 games in a row and loses a very strange match, 6-4, 6-4. But, uh, you know, we, we've come on the women's side to sort of view it as Serena Williams and then shake pepper shaker and sort of see, see where the other seeds land and maybe someone can step up as Kerber did in Australia but basically Serena and a long staircase down and that's pretty much what uh, has played out through five days here and then on the men's side same thing Andy Murray has had two very close calls five setters against two very different players against 37 year old Roddick Stepanek who was the oldest player in the draw at the time of that match he took Murray to five sets um after leading two sets to love. And then yesterday, Matthias Bork, a, a French uh, French wild card, 22 years old, also took Murray to five sets, but Murray won them both. Uh, by contrast, Rafael Nadal has looked terrific. He has really not been tested. Djokovic is in the third round as well. Bit of a workout today from Steve Darcy, um, the, the Belgian player who beat Nadal at Wimbledon several years ago. But uh, Stan Wawrinka, the defending champ, also had a five-setter, but the top top four seeds on the men's side, who I think realistically it would be a shock if the winner didn't come from that quartet. They are all into round three. So it's, it has been a quiet, I mean, in, in a good way. I mean, there, there have been a few upsets. There have been some, some long matches. Coco Vandoy played a match that was 10-8 in the third set. There have been some drama, some comebacks, but um, nothing really seismic quite yet. Exactly, and we're going to backtrack because you just covered a whole lot in that little bit of time. Uh, Sorry. That's okay. Uh, Jeannie Bouchard, you talked a little bit about her 
And I know that, you know, she came on set on Tennis Channel and you guys talked, you know, candidly and she talked a little bit about it, you know, before the tournament and then and then after her match as well. But, you know, she was she was pretty open about her struggles in 2015. She did talk a little bit about the weight loss that a lot of people had seen last year. So do you think she's she's on the way up? You know, she said she's excited for grass and obviously that's where she really got her start and in her stardom um you know so what do you see for her were you were you impressed despite her performance uh on Thursday against Pashinsky if we had spoken 24 hours ago Jamie I would say I'm, I'm impressed she won her match she seems to have her her act together as, as she put it um a tad bit more profanely on live TV. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think what was interesting too, she spoke, as you say, she, she was very candid and outspoken, both about sort of the pressure that got to her at the end of 2014 and throughout 2015. She spoke about her eating disorder um, very vividly, which I thought was um, quite courageous of her. And it was also interesting to me that she came up to the set here at Rolling Garros and there was no agent and there was no parent, and there was no handler, and no manager. It was basically just Jeannie Bouchard came up uh, with an escort. And to me, that said something, too, that she's really taken charge. And I understand that she is sort of between agents right now. She doesn't even really have an agent. Um, signing her about 18 months ago, That sort of the battle to sign Jeannie Bouchard was this big derby in tennis, and now she seems to be unrepresented. She's back with Dick Saviano, who's coached her on and off since she was 12 years old. And I would have said things are really trending in the right direction. She's already won 19 matches. She really seems to sort of have taken ownership of this disastrous 2015, and now she's she's ready to sort of get back in business. And then today, this match was just mystifying. I mean, she went up 4-1 mm-hmm. against Bashinsky, a nice player, a semifinalist last year, a top-10 player. And then she just absolutely retreated. And next thing you know, her 4-1 lead had turned into 4 6 and she rallied and, and won a couple of uh, a couple of games. She won four games in a row, and then Bashinsky was able to survive. But you know, a, a top tier player just doesn't let herself lose ten mm-hmm. straight. I mean, that just can't happen. Um, losing ten straight games is really uh, not, not a great sign of, of a focus or confidence. And so, I, I think, unfortunately, Jeannie Bouchard, after such an impressive first round win, and again, the, the appearance was that. Last year's in the past, and now we've got a bright horizon. Now we've got a bright future. I I think, in a way, she took a step back. No shame in losing to the eight seed four and four, but the way it unfolded, I I think, is one of those matches that um, leaves leaves a little bit of uh, of scar tissue. And she talks a little bit about it after the match about the mental side of things and how you know she's really working on all that. And like you said, uh, in order for her to get to the top tier, it really looks like that's going to be the hump that she has to get over. But one player that I thought that's been quiet, but that's sort of good for him, um, and maybe is sort of another young star who looks like they may be growing up a little bit as compared to uh, last year, is uh, Nick Kyrgios. And I'm, I'm curious as to what you think about him. And, you know, a lot of people have said that he might be able to go far here. Um, you know, what, what have you seen from him? And I know you also sat down with him as well. Yeah, I, I think I think that's really I think that's really smart and, and perceptive. And here's a guy who everybody knows him for his antics and the tennis is bad boy and the trick shots and the social media and of course um, the, the incident last summer with Stan Wawrinka. What gets less 
clay is his tennis. And here's a guy who's now firmly in the top 20. He's won on clay. He's beaten Wawrinka, Roundage, Burdich. He's beaten those players on clay. And you get the feeling a little, a little bit of sort of the tennis, you know, the tennis establishment ganging up on him a bit. He's been relegated to these backcourts. So here's a guy that everybody's saying is, is a future number one, and he's this colorful, charismatic guy, and he's got the Nike deal, and he was playing on some of the booty courts, and yet he has yet to drop a set. He's won, you know, all six of the sets he's played, and now he plays Richard Cascade tomorrow in what should be a terrifically entertaining match. I think that will tell us a lot. I mean, we're either going to uh, sound silly for being optimistic about Curios when Cascade dispatches him in, uh, in straight sets, or else Curios will beat Richard Cascade at the French Open in France, and we will think very seriously about his chances likely against Kane Shikori in, in the round after that. But no, Nick, Nick Curious, um, for, for as polarizing as he is, he was telling us uh, on the tennis channel set, he said, look, I don't have any colored streaks in my hair, mm-hmm. and, and read that as you will, but that's a, a sign of, of maturity. And you do sense that, um, you know, for people talk about how, how brash this guy is, and there's a real, I think it's a real sort of interesting cultural division in Australia. And I think some of it is probably rooted in, in race and immigration. I, mean, I think there's, there's a whole think piece to be written about this ambivalence about Nick Curios in Australia and how it touches on sort of greater cultural issues. But I, I think everybody's kind of falling asleep a little bit. And we're all worried about his NBA Twitter account and his <laughs> retweeting and his, his tweeting at the, uh, the woman who's deciding whether or not he goes to the Olympics. And what's being lost in this is he's having a terrific year on the tennis court, and again, he's in the top 20 and will probably go higher uh, in the next few weeks. He'll be a threat at Wimbledon, and again, this match against Gasquet, which is not, again, I want to stress, happened as we are recording this now, but uh, this this match against Gasquet is a real test, and should he beat, again, Richard Gasquet, a long-time top 10 player, Grand Slam semifinalist, should he beat Richard Gasquet at the French Open? That, Jamie, is a statement. All right, John, I'm going to stop you there and take a quick break to talk about the NBA playoffs, which admittedly I have not been watching because I've been working on Paris time while in New York City. And if you haven't been able to watch it all or you just don't want to miss a minute of the action, the best way is to listen to Ben Golliver and Andrew Sharp, the guys of the Open Floor SI's NBA podcast, and they watch every minute of every game, and they podcast overnight, so it's all ready for you, whether it's your morning commute or your bedtime story, whatever it is, you can subscribe to Open Floor SI's NBA podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Google Play Music. Find all the SI shows at si.com slash podcast. All right, now back to tennis. Who's impressed you the most so far? I got, I got a crazy answer for you on the, on the women's side. Okay. Which might well be Venus Williams, mm. who uh, is playing, I think it's her 19th French Open. She started doing this drill in, uh, you know, in 1997. She's been to the finals, and she looks great. I mean, she, she fought through a first-round match in heavy conditions that didn't really suit her particularly well and just grounded out. And today, again, you know, against, against a nice player. In, uh, in, in Louisa Trico, she absolutely dominated. I mean, this was 6-2, 6-1, and, and that's probably uh, overstating how close this match was. She was moving forward. She looked as though she was very secure in her footing. Venus has been terrific. Madison Keyes hasn't uh, hasn't dropped a set. She's only lost five games in each of her two matches. 
Um, you know, I, I think there have been sort of other sleeper-type players that have uh, have gone through the draw, but my, my first instinct to your question, male or female, is uh, Venus Williams, the, the oldest player left in the draw. On, on the men's side, you know, Zverev won again, and now he's playing... Uh, Zverev's playing Dominic Team in sort of a young guns match in, in the third round, which will which will be nice to see. Um, I'm just I'm, I'm scanning the draw here for who is who stood out. We talked we talked about uh, obviously talked about Nick Kyrgios, Nadal. No surprise is uh, that was going to strong at Roland Garros as he has through the years. You may, you may have heard. Yeah, um, I, I Nadal's have. Been great. Nadal's been great. <laughs> that's a, I mean that's who I was going to ask you about next. Um, I know that he's not really. You know, I guess it's not really a surprise that he's doing well, you know, based on his history here. But um, just in his recent performance, um, I feel like he's he's really confident and, you know, he's no muss, no fuss, getting things done. Um, you know, un- unlike some other players, maybe ranked above him, that have really spent a lot of time on court and sort of labored their way into the third round. Do you think, uh, do you think that's going to help him in the later rounds? Yeah, you know, Jamie, in the beginning of the tournament, Andy Murray was actually higher with the with the punters, with, with the uh, with the betting markets. You know, Djokovic was uh, had the best odds. Andy Murray was actually second, which is odd given that Nadal has you know a record of seventy and two at, uh, at at the French Open. Um, you know, he's he's looked terrific in his first two matches. The the ogre with devil's advocate would see you know, that. Response was that he played a guy ranked 100 and then another guy ranked 99. Um, then again, you know, Djokovic had a, an opponent that was had to qualify, and he gave him a match and you know took 12 games off of him today. So, you know, Nadal has looked great. Um, I think it's sort of this next caliber of opponent that uh, it will, will really know sort of the state of his game. I mean, this was just basically clinic stuff for the first six sets he's played. Um, when he gets in tougher matches against tougher opposition, you know, Dominic Team looms in, in, in the round of 16. Uh, Sanga's not far away. I mean, I think when the level of competition steps up, we'll really get a better sense of Nadal. But he has to be confident winning absolutely. I mean, just this has just been easy breezy tennis. He's lost nine games in, in six sets, and I think everybody has just starred that, uh, starred that, that likely semifinal against Djokovic. All right, John, I'm going to stop you one more time so we can talk about baseball, not basketball. And SI's baseball podcast, The Strike Zone, has a very special guest this week. Buster Posey of the Red Hot San Francisco Giants talks with Ted Keith and Steve Canella, the hosts of the SI baseball podcast. They talk about the Giants' incredible start, Posey's game, that bench-clearing brawl. Everything you want to hear is on the Strike Zone podcast with Ted Keith and Steve Canella. Find it at si.com slash podcast or your favorite podcast app of choice, including iTunes, Stitcher, and now Google Play Music. Now back to more tennis. Uh, you got your draw sheet, right? I have a draw sheet. Uh, so quarterfinals predictions or, you know, um, any major upsets that you're sort of underlining and circling on there that uh, we should look out for? What upsets do I see on the horizon? That's a good question. I, I don't see any big upsets. I mean, I think there's sort of upset lights. Uh, Quinn Voss beating Thomas Burdick is a match um, that, that you might want to watch. But, you know, an upset in men's tennis is basically one of the top four seeds. And I, I don't foresee that happening 
for a while. And same on the women's side. I mean, it's, it's sort of Serena Serena losing as an upset and everything else is, sure, it, it could happen. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the draw here. I suppose that it, it is possible that um, picking a name at random, uh, you know, could, could Safarova beat Holland 11 versus 6 in the quarterfinals, sure, in the fourth round, sure. Uh, would it shock me if Ratwanska, the second seed, did not get to the, uh, to the finals, especially on clay? That would that would be an upset technically, but I, I don't think that's a huge upset. But I, I think right now things are looking very uh, very formful. I suspect that the top four will reach the semis on the men's side, and I suspect um, Serena will reach, you know, I think she'll win the tournament, but she'll certainly reach the, uh, the, the semis on the women's side, and everything else is sort of a, a B-level upset. Got it. And so since you're our, uh, our person on the ground, uh, what can you tell us about the sights and sounds, um, you know, around the grounds? You've been, have you been to some matches? Um, you know, what's the, the chatter going around in the press room? Give us some of the, the good stuff that we're not seeing on, on TV and uh, not really learning about on Twitter or anything. What are we not learning about on Twitter? I, I think there, there's, um, I'll give you a few. I mean, everybody's sort of waiting for this Maria Sharapova announcement. And I think a couple weeks ago, the sense was she would probably get a year. And now with some of these meldonium issues um, and the athletes being exonerated, I think there's now a sense that she may well certainly uh, play the Olympics if, if she's, when we have this, this hearing result which we are expected to have next week. Mm-hmm. So a lot of chatter and a lot of speculation about Sharapova. I think that a potential doubles final between Martina Hingis and Sonia Mirza, who are going for their fourth straight slam, and the Williams sisters, who, of course, are the Williams sisters. Um, I mean, it's, it's just crazy in 2016 that uh, these three players who really came of age in, in the late 90s and the early 2000s are still going strong in their mid-30s, but I think there's anticipation for that. I do think there, um, I mean, security here has been, you know, quite understandably after the November attacks, but security here has been like no sporting event I've ever been to. I mean, this is Super Bowl times times two. Um, security has really been an issue. Though, though once you're once you're inside the grounds, then then, then it lets up. But getting getting in here is really uh, something. And I, I think. Um, you know, I, I, I come for this, we were doing this about half an hour after Alize Cornet had this dramatic match and rolled around in the clay. This is a player known for, uh, I would say, theatricality, uh, <laughs> put it gently. A drama queen, to put it less gently. And the, the player she was playing, Tatiana Maria, sort of waved her and gave her the Dikembe Mutombo finger. And uh, I, I think this is an issue that may uh, persist a little bit. Um, I, I think something else is the crowd. And I think there is, and this is always an issue, and it's especially bad at the French Open, but this is the smallest major by far in terms of acreage, in terms of um, sort of land land mass, if you will, and I know you will. Um, The grounds here are are much smaller than the other four majors, and it's very crowded, and not not unpleasantly so, but it's very well attended, and there are lines for courts, and there are lines for restrooms, and it's a food court, and it's quite, I mean, it's not unpleasantly congested, but it's, it's definitely densely concentrate and you watch on TV and you see these oceans of empty seats and it's really unfortunate because the image if you're watching on TV is that they're holding this event and, and nobody went and nobody cares and the, the ushers outnumber the uh, the usherees and yet you come here and it's absolutely packed and I think it would be nice if they figured out a way to get all these fans who are waiting in line for you know court 79 
to occupy the seats in the front rows that are going clearly to, to corporations and to uh, these fat cats, as it were, and um, and are going unused. So, so don't be fooled by the uh, oceans of empty seats on TV. This is a, a well-attended sporting event. All right, last question. Uh, I know it's getting late over there. Uh, you, you picked the number ones, the number one seeds, uh, before the tournament. Are you still sticking with them? Oh, you got it. Oh, only a coward would change picks uh, midstream. No, you have to. But I, I think you, you do have a feeling that if Djokovic can get by Nadal, this is his year to win this. And again, I mean, uh, Serena, I might not have said this 10 days ago, but after winning Rome and after looking you know, quite, quite strong in her first two matches, um, it's, it's looking a lot like Serena. Awesome. Well, we'll check back in with you next week before we get to those final matches. But thanks for calling in. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Jamie. You want to take us out? Sure. All right, that was this week's podcast from the French Open 2016. Thanks to my producer and uh, fellow conversationalist. And we got to get you in more of these. Thanks to Jamie Lasanti for all her excellent work stateside. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will do it again next week. And um, enjoy these next 10 days or 9 or 8, depending on when you're listening to this. Enjoy the rest of the tennis. And uh, thanks for listening. Take care, everyone.